be open to opportunities. I mm. think we are entering an age where saying I'm here and I want to work at Google and I'm just going to follow like I will just own, I will only do X, Y, and Z things that are related for me to me getting there is becoming much harder. And I think allowing yourself to be open to other opportunities that may necessarily not make sense today will might lead you, okay, could be in a roundabout way to that ultimate goal, or could lead you in some other direction that you haven't even contemplated or allowed yourself to contemplate before. So that's how I would look at a career is like goals and everything like that, of course, are important works for some people doesn't work for me, but just allow yourself, take that introduction. That doesn't make sense. Reach out to that person. That doesn't make sense. Keep your ears open to these signals and don't discount something because it doesn't directly give you value today or get you closer to that goal. Hey friends, this is your host, Cesar Romero, and you're listening to Beyond the Job Title Podcast, the show that explores the human experiences that shape our professional and personal lives. My guest for this episode is Mindaguas Petrus. He is the CEO of Coho, a professional development community tailored for leaders and professionals navigating modern careers in design, engineering, data science, marketing, sales, and more. The way this episode came about was originally, it was supposed to be a 12 minute coffee chat with Ben Douglas. But I realized that why not take the opportunity to turn it into a podcast episodes where we can share a bit more about his journey and go beyond the job title. And I made the ask and Ben Douglas being the generous connector that he is, he said, let's do it. So that's how this came about. And in this episode, we dive into his journey of becoming the CEO of Coho and of course, share valuable lessons and insights on what it takes to thrive during uncertainty and how to navigate and seize the different career opportunities out there. So if you are someone that is currently navigating their own non-linear career path this episode is for you thank you so much for joining and please don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any future episodes again thanks so much for joining and here's my conversation with mindagos i was talking to mindagos before recording and i told him hey this is an impromptu podcast recording but essentially how this all came about was he had a post on linkedin about opening up his calendar to connect with people that have been laid off and being someone that loves to connect, I took it on the opportunity. So this was supposed to be a 12 minute coffee chat, which I call serendipity chats. But then I, I suggested, Hey, what do you think about uh, making this a podcast recording? And he was generous enough to say yes. So uh, here we are. And I wanted to start off with asking you. Right, because I'm part of on deck no code three, and then no code went through a restructure, and now they focus more on founders. But there's this other community called Coho, which is what I'm part of. 
And I wanted to ask you, right, how, how did that come about? What was the pivotal moment there? And, and what are some of the challenges and, and what's your vision with the community? Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, it came about because it, it, it did make sense, right, for on deck to focus on one specific direction, right? The career side and the founder side, they were too, too different, let's say. And so the, the opportunity came up to essentially spin out a bunch of these careers focused communities and fellowships into a separate company. And so that's what we did. I mean, that's honestly under very much underselling the, the whole process because it was an incredibly massive undertaking in, in essentially splitting from one company telling everybody what was happening, reduce as you can imagine, folks, these are paid fellowships. And so folks are joining, they're voting with their money. They're expecting a certain return and all of a sudden they're told you're no longer part of this company. You're not part of this other obscure company that didn't even, we didn't even have a name till, I mean, this was announced August 4th and I don't think we had a name till mid-October. I'm laughing because I was one of those people. I was like, wait, what, what's happening? What's Coho and where am I going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we really had to, as a small team, right, do a lot. I mean, and I, I reflect on this now, we could predict certain things like confusion amongst the folks who were in the community already, or those who had recently applied, interviewed. Some folks were there, there was, I think, meant to be some cohorts kicking off in September for some of the fellowships. Right. So folks had paid and were waiting to join, right? And so we had this sea of people to quickly figure out how do we address all of this? Because again, we at the time still had limited information. We were figuring things out on the fly. We had to get our heads together and say, the folks that are already part of the community especially if they're like experienced their first year, what they paid for is still happening. They're going to be confused and probably anxious about what does that mean for the experience, right? And so we had to really quickly think, okay, how do we uh, maintain the experience for these six fellowships that we're continuing with until the end of the year? And then at the same time, then talk to as many people as possible, especially those who were upset or concerned about what was happening. And also then start building this new company from scratch at the same time, because we had to build it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were certain things we could borrow from on deck and take with us processes, <laughs> but this was also an opportunity to maybe start fixing some of the things that we'd been thinking about. And so, yeah, it was very chaotic and we all were working with very limited information. And this is what I often try to mention is that we all came to do this, not because there was big salaries dangled in front of everybody and, and actual job opportunities. In fact, it was like the opposite because what I told the team when this was starting to become more of a reality mm -hmm. because I wanted to make sure the right team said yes to doing this. Right. Otherwise I didn't want to do it was, Hey, this is a thing that's probably going to happen. 
I don't know any more than I may be able to pay your salary. Mm -hmm. Are you in or are you out? And people said yes, because everybody there looked at this as continuing to build these uh, communities because our work wasn't done yet Mm -hmm. Uh, versus I came to them and said, hey, you're amazing. Here's a bunch more money than you're making right now. Here's like a promotion. Here are all these things. None of that was available. And I think that translates to the, the, the type of work that we do and how we do it. And then we took another kind of step in how we structured the company to essentially be a lot more aligned with the goals of a community where there's a, a profit sharing scheme with the team and anyone like our, some of our kind of investors as well, but we decided to not raise venture capital in order to not have the expectations or the pressures to grow before maybe there's an opportunity to do so, right? So we want to find, we want to allow ourselves to grow sustainably, just build good experiences, pay our bills, eat, play the long-term, take the long-term approach. And maybe there will be at some point that there's like a feature of what we do that becomes that thing that really grows. But in the meantime, our promise is that these are highly curated, small, intimate communities. And so we had to find a structure as a business, like legally and as a team, mm-hmm. how do we do that? Yeah. And especially with what's happening right now, people need community more than ever, right? With the layoffs, with loneliness that's happening. And I think the work that Coho is doing is super important, right? So, so thanks so much for taking the leap and taking the jump. And I'm curious, what was your path to becoming a CEO? Did you apply or did you say, Hey, you look like you could be a great CEO here. Here you go. <laughs> I did not apply. I did a big CEO job a few years ago where I started a, a company, but it was just me. It's still <laughs> whatever. <laughs> right. So that's very different to what I'm doing today or what a CEO really does. I actually, I don't know if I shared this before, but the team definitely knows, but I actually, before Kovo was even becoming a thing, I had made a decision maybe in May, I'm going to say last year or a year ago that, you know what, I've been building communities for a really long time. I'm highly introverted and I used to, I felt like a little bit drained even though I love like these kind of one-to-one conversations, right? But when you work, and to be honest, most of my life, I've been working closely with people like hospitality for 10 years, right? Then recruitment, sales, community. And I felt a little bit drained. And I also felt that I had built up enough knowledge in how to build communities that maybe somebody may pay me a bunch of money and, and I could do a little consulting practice. So I actually, in May last year, I started putting the work into creating that. And I was, I couldn't just quit my job and figure it out. I, want, I had to find a way how to start consulting, get it to a point where I'm making similar enough money, right? And then quit. So I was like, by the end of 2022, that was the goal. 
I picked up a great client actually very quickly in May, I think, and I made up a price really. And, and they said yes, because clearly they valued my, my insights. And I was like, you know what, this could be a thing. And a few weeks later, that whole plan fell apart because that's when the spin out kind of conversation started happening. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I found myself in the role of a CEO. So I did not apply. I was actually planning to do the absolute opposite of what <laughs> I'm doing right now. But I think I did not even think for a second, really, whether I should do this or not. Why not? Because it was a very unique once in a lifetime opportunity, I think, to continue building something that you care about, that you were building elsewhere. And of course, this will, this would be true at any company. I did not hold all the decisions mm-hmm. for the thing that I was building. Right. So there were two years where, and, and to be fair, I was building the design fellowship. I always looked at it at a long-term project, right? So I immediately, when I joined and I started building it, I thought, you know what? Okay. We're going to be doing four cohorts a year, a few hundred people a year. Cool. But, but this could be really good. And I want one, I want to find a way how to build it for more people in this way. And two, as an employee, and I even told them, pretty sure I told them that this at the time, I'm going to be here in five years. But I want this thing to be around in five or 10 years and 20 years. And so in my head, I was always wrestling with that. If I leave, it's all going to fall apart. Right. And this is the way we were building the fellowships at the time, right? The program director was the one, the face had all the connections, was running all of the things. And when they leave, it's very easy if you haven't built in those structures intentionally for that community, that thing to fall apart. And so the spin out allowed for us to continue building that work on our own terms now have control of all the decisions, shape, how they operate, the longevity of those things, so on and so forth. So it was as crazy and, and scary as it seemed, it was probably one of the easiest decisions I, I've ever made. I love that. Where, where does your mindset of long-term come from? Because I've heard you say that a, a couple of times right now, and most people think in short-term terms. So I'm just curious, where does that mindset come from of doing things that are long-term? I think it's just a really good question that I've never really thought about, but it's probably, it's probably I've stopped and started and changed my career paths and lived in many different places, always showing up in these places with no connections, no money, no nothing, just like sheer stupidity and, you know, (laughs) naivety. And I think it's those kind of things maybe taught me that you need to put in the work Mm. and often not expect if you do, if you take an action, not expect a reaction or like a reward for taking that action. Right. I honestly would actually, I'm going to. Now I'm going to be thinking about this after this conversation (laughs) to find, is there like a moment? Because usually there is a moment. Yeah. Because I'd be curious to, to figure that one out.
But I think over years, it just somehow got etched into my brain that the short term, it just doesn't do anything. At least for me, I like thinking about everything uh, long term. And I also, I think over the years, I've realized that many little actions compound over time. Most of them go nowhere, but you still have to do them. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's not probably not going to, you're going to be missing certain ingredients of the, the effect, the compounded effect that you may end up with at some point. Yeah. Maybe I've been told no many times. And I think you get just used to, you learn how to take that and just move on immediately. I don't know. That's a really good question. No one's asked me that before. Two, two things. One, one of my things is I want to be remembered by the questions I ask. So I think I've, I've done that. <laughs> yep. And second, you mentioned no's. What has been your most painful no? Painful. Yeah. The one that was that, that crushed you. I said, like, oh man, I, I thought I had this, but it turned out to be a no. I think there was one, I mean, and it's not really related in the sense that I really wanted this thing or, but when I was 20 or 19, maybe 19, I moved to, to Ireland mm -hmm. and my English has always been very good, but I'm not from an English speaking country, I'm from a right. small Eastern European country. Right. And I remember <clears throat> I touched on this actually filming some content last weekend in London. I did a founder kind of interview and I was talking about how back in the day or, or where did kind of this comfort with hard work comes from. When I landed there, I remember that there was no Google, right? You were not applying for jobs as such or whatever. But I'm sure Google existed, but not in the form that we know it right now. Yeah. And so. To find a job, I literally printed out like 30 CVs and I set myself a goal. I'm not going home until I've handed them all out. But the, the thing that is etched in my brain and I think that allowed me to take notes easier or know that, you know what, maybe I, I should always put in a bit more effort than somebody else mm. was one of those, when I was walking around and, and handing out the CVs, I walked up to this, I think it was like an electrical appliances store or something. And I saw a, an ad on the, on the window, looking for a sales assistant. And I'd done a little bit of that experience and I looked at, it, I was like, amazing. I was like, literally took all the boxes. Right. And I walked in and I asked for the manager and I started talking to the manager. And he's talking to me and I'm telling him my experience. And I can tell, I'm like, okay, this is going well. And then he said, do you have a CV? And I handed him my CV and he looked at it and he saw my name, which is not English. And the mood just changed immediately. And he hmm. said, oh no, we don't have, we're not hiring or we'll, you'll hear from us. We'll call you whatever. But I just, I sensed that mood, change of mood. And then I was like, that's not good. And so. That is like a no, it's an indirect no, right? But I think it, it taught me something that day that they'll be a lot lighter now because I took that to heart and I used to like really think about that all the time. So any other no's after that was whatever, let's move on. It's not personal. This was personal. That's what it was. Yes. 
right? This was personal. And I think that that was a good kind of learning as uncomfortable as it was. It taught me how to deal with them further down the line. If that, yeah. I don't know if that story makes sense. But... No, it totally makes sense because I've had that happen because of my name or because of my non-conventional background. People judge you. People make assumptions about you. And I, at first I took it personal, but then I switched it to those are probably people or workplaces where I don't want to be part of anyways, right? Exactly. Because if they're not going to embrace where I've been uh, and what I can bring to the table, then you don't want to be there, right? Because yeah. you're going to be in an uh, uphill battle trying to prove yourself. Yeah. And yeah, it taught me actually, as you were saying, it taught me how to read people very well, mm. which came in handy later when I worked in like hospitality and stuff. And I could just very quickly figure out who the customer is going to be, what they're going to be like, how to navigate the conversation and then whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Now there's, there is on your LinkedIn, you have a banner there and I want to read it because it's so powerful. Right. And I want to touch on that for this episode. And basically the banner says the future demands nonlinear careers, but most mm. are left without a roadmap. And what does that phrase mean to you personally? Yeah, it came from, I mean, I've had a very nonlinear career path, right? And no, 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 nothing really technically on my CV or whatever makes sense. <laughs> and I think what I, this came from, especially with all the advancements in, in AI and all that kind of stuff, right? It's very different than any kind of previous crisis or tech advancements, right? They all impact industries, jobs, people. This is something on a, I think a scale we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And I've been just, I'm very good at having a lot of conversations and picking up common themes and, and trends. And what I think started becoming clear to me is that one, a lot of us, or at least the circle that I'm in, we live in a complete bubble, which is we are exposed to lots of different technologies and ideas and Everybody I know is tinkering with a side project. They may be doing like a very linear job on their day to day. Um, but the switch from doing X to doing Y, mm. the gap is, is a lot shorter for the bubble that we're in. But I think what I've started really thinking about a lot lately is that's so true for most people. Hmm. Right. I've switched careers many times. No, it's not. There's no magic bullets, right? But I know how to do it I, I, because I'm, I'm always learning something new. I mean, I've been editing videos that, that we shot and I've never done a video editing course, right? And I shared one of the videos with the team yesterday and somebody on the team was like, wait, you edited this? What skills don't you have? Right? Swiss Army. Not saying, <laughs> not saying I'm amazing, but I'm always like deep and playing around with different things and I can really learn concepts very quickly and pick up different skills. I've learned how to learn. I've been saying this, I've learned how to learn 
That's my favorite skill that I haven't really thought about for a really long time until a, a couple of years ago. But I think it's not true for most people. And what kind of where that statement came from is really looking at outside of the bubble and seeing how many people potentially will be impacted by what's happening without another choice. And then I'm like, who's having the conversation about what happens there? Because it's not going to be an industry and an X amount of people within that industry. It's going to be hundreds of millions of people. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where it came from. And also just hearing that the anxieties and, and, and some of the, the themes that I'm picking up, say from our own community. So if folks who are exposed to all these other opportunities are worried, yeah, what does that mean for everybody else? Yeah. No, it's scary. Even to me, it, it happened, right? I got laid off from my latest startup and then I was like, wait, what do I do now? It took me a while to figure it out, but then I realized, hey, what is something that I enjoy doing? I could do it without getting paid. Casting came because I really loved the the intimacy, the conversations, building community, right? So, you know what? I'm going to take a shot at this because I don't know how, what else to do besides listening to myself and taking the hints of maybe you should try this because you might discover, you might learn new skills, right? And you mm. do, right? With podcasting, right? There's so many skills involved from the call outreach to the automation of booking the guests to producing the content, the post-production. So... I realize that's what I'm going to do, right? But for a lot of people, I think they still don't understand that we live in a constant change, right? Like things are changing and faster now and that no one's coming to save you, right? Now yeah. it's, you got to figure things out, look for community, right? But even when you have community, right, you still have that individual person that you figure it out for, for yourself, right? What, yeah. what it is that, what's the next step, right? Nobody else can tell you, right? You, you can be part of a community, get support, vent, curse, right. but ultimately, right? Like it's up to you, which is why one of the interviews you posted on LinkedIn with David, mm -hmm. he used to be a Webflow. Yeah. Man, I think people should put that on like replay and just listen to that. I have a replay myself, but I, I have the luxury of, of spending a lot of time with David. Yeah, man. The advice he gave was it, it's evergreen. Yes. When it comes to careers. So I'm excited to what you guys have been with Coho and to, to see where it goes and hopefully, right, it, it can become 10 times bigger and be a sustainable business venture as well. Um, well. I wanted to do a, a rapid fire closing. Uh, for the okay. episode where I'll ask you a question and you give me your top of mind 30 second answer. Ready? Sure. All right. First question. One book that has influenced your life. It's not a book, but <clears throat> as a kid, I was very like shy, awkward, mm -hmm. quiet. I didn't really have many friends. What I did, I spent a lot of, most of my time reading. And I became obsessed with books about Native Americans as a kid. I consumed every book that was available and I would read them 10 times over. 
and I would study the the way what what I was fascinated because I I loved like going into the woods into the forest right I lived in this green beautiful country that's surrounded with lakes and forests and stuff and I used to spend a lot of time and and I used to like really take the learnings how these uh, tribes interacted with nature and their surroundings. I used to try and replicate it as a, as a kid. So I was fascinated with all of that. I remember when I was old enough and I had a dog and it looked like a wolf. It was a pig. It was half German shepherd and half the wolf thing. And he was like my best friend and Gucci. My favorite thing would be to just disappear into the forest with the dog for hours. So it's not really uh, a book, but it's all of those and really learning and studying, I think probably shaped me in a very specific way. And I haven't thought about that since this moment. So I don't know how it shaped me, but I know it did. Perhaps that's where your sense of community and tribes and being more about the tribe comes from. Maybe. Yeah. Could be. I love that. That's a very unique answer. I don't think ever anybody has ever answered something like that. Love it. Next question. One of the most worthwhile investments that you have made recently, and an investment could be financial, it could be a physical thing, it could be yeah. a relationship. A, a gym. And it's the here, and I mean, very sad because I'm moving in a few days. Mm-hmm. Not by choice. Long story. I'm moving. Couldn't find the market here in Lisbon is, is very crazy and expensive. And so mm-hmm. I'm moving an hour outside of Lisbon for, I don't know, a couple of months and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. That means I'm giving up my, my sanctuary. So mm-hmm. the last few months have been very hectic. There's just not enough hours in the day. And I yeah. knew that's not sustainable, right? I've gone through these cycles before and now I can control where I know, Hey, I'm not going to have a work-life balance. Yeah. or X amount, yeah. but I need to, to combat that in some way. So I invested in this is really cool wellness studio, let's say that has mm-hmm. private training, PT, mm-hmm. whatever. And so not cheap, but it was honestly a worthwhile investment for the last year because my mornings have been usually my kind of sanctuary, right? Everybody else is asleep. Yes. <laughs> and so I would go and I'd spend a few hours there, sometimes work from there, but that's been probably the best investment. Yeah. That's always a great investment of grounding yourself, whether to a gym, meditation, and just getting ready to start the day, you know, especially when it's hectic, right? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, one last question and then we'll wrap it up. One habit or ritual that you have recently implemented that has significantly improved your output besides working out? <laughs> I, you know what I've tried, I, I have a very scattered brain. Um, the creative brain. <laughs> yeah. Which comes with its own challenges, right? No, um, frameworks, mm. no taking all those apps. Like I've tried them all. Nothing ever <laughs> sticks for longer than five seconds. And so I've tried implement different things because right, my, my days are much different. My responsibilities are much different. Nothing has worked. The one thing though, as I mentioned earlier is maybe about a year ago or so, and now using it is learning 
how to learn quickly mm. about anything and understand concepts and try things. So as an example, when the spin outs are happening, this was a legal negotiation. Yeah. First few meetings with the lawyers, honestly, I had no idea what they were talking about. It's as if they were talking another language. And that challenged me to very quickly start understanding, right? And within a few weeks, I could hold my own somewhat mm -hmm. in these conversations. That's, and then when ChatGPT and all these kind of things came out, I started tinkering around with some things, writing some code, like playing around with certain things. And quickly I could stand up a project in say Replit and then run it and it works. And I've never taken a coding lesson and I've never read an, an engineering book or let alone a paragraph. And so doing those kind of things and just challenging yourself has been, I'd say, but realizing the power of it, maybe a year or so ago and just feeling, okay, let's use it because it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it's definitely powerful. Oh, thanks so much. And it's so underrated too. Awesome. And last question here as a way to wrap up the episode, what, what will be one of your takeaways for the audience when it comes to their career? Mm -hmm. Good question. I think I think more now, more than ever, be open to opportunities. I mm. think we are entering an age where saying I'm here and I want to work at Google and I'm just going to follow, like, I will just own, I will only do X, Y, and Z things that are related for me to me getting there is becoming much harder. And I think allowing yourself to be open to other opportunities that may necessarily not make sense today will might lead you, okay, could be in a roundabout way to that ultimate goal, or could lead you in some other direction that you haven't even contemplated or allowed yourself to contemplate before. So that's how I would look at a career is like goals and everything like that, of course, are important works for some people doesn't work for me, but just allow yourself, take that introduction that doesn't make sense. Reach out to that person that doesn't make sense. Keep your ears open to these signals and don't discount something because it doesn't directly give you value today or get you closer to that goal. That's such a powerful advice, especially because at times we, we don't see clearly, right? And that step might actually connect to your North Star where you want to end up, but you, you don't see it, right? So it's important to being open. But thanks yeah. for that. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this impromptu podcast episode. I appreciate you. I love the Coho community and what, and what you're building. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on a future episode. Per per perhaps we expand on some of the topics here. But sure. for now, thanks so much. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much for inviting me. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. 
I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.